Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. Be a champ today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com, episode 24, shipping up to Boston. I am your host, Jack O'Hara, alongside Declan O'Hara, and I can assure you that after this episode, you will never... What a week it's been in Major League Baseball. The Boston Red Sox are the 2018 World Series champions, handing the Los Angeles Dodgers their second straight World Series loss in the process. The Dodgers now have let two teams walk into their house, their stadium, at Dodger Stadium, and let an American League team win the dance on their home turf. Two years in a row now. I mean, it's tough to lose Game 7 of the World Series last year to Houston, but to come back this year only to lose it again at home again, that can't be a loving feeling for fans in Los Angeles. Here comes a one-two pitch. Red Sox win the World Series. Five to one the final tonight. And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018. Longtime Red Sox fan and diehard Red Sox fan for that matter, Barstool sports writer Jared Carabas got to witness all three games in L.A. live. I was actually there for game four, hopped on a train from Phoenix all the way up to L.A. to see game four. Uh, but Carabas got to witness a team that he predicted to win 120 games and a World Series title at the beginning of the year. They got 119 wins and won a World Series title. Something to build on next year, Boston. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please, really, don't. Don't win 100 games and a World Series title next year. But really, congrats, Carabas, as you really showed your passion throughout the season on the Section 10 podcast as well as on the Starting 9 podcast with Dallas Braden. So stay hot, Rocket. Red Sox are World Series champions again for the fourth time in the last 15 seasons. Hubs and I, we've been battling all year long. I wish I could say I told you so, but I fucking told you so. I really did. I really did, host. So congratulations on a terrible season. Congrats to the Boston Red Sox. Congrats to my manager, Alex Cora. They did it. Going back to Boston. Let's get the fuck out of here. So we'll dig deeper into this World Series win. Red Sox take it in five games in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. But we will kick off this episode 24 shipping up to Boston with some WWE action. Dean Ambrose turning on Seth Rollins last week as the shield implodes for the second time in history. Declan now joins us with live coverage from Monday Night Raw as it kicks off from who knows where. All right, Monday Night Raw kicks off live from wherever the hell it is. Where is it, Declan? Uh, you know, every week, Jack, I know and I do not know this week. I do not know, but I'm actually, for the first time in a while, I'm actually sitting down and I'm watching it from the beginning, and I, I don't know how long this has been here, but I just noticed for the first time tonight that they got, like, a new intro. They got rid of the typical, you know, like, like zoom out from the WWE logo and then now and forever. Now it's just, like, remember, like, WWE Classics on demand? It's, like, that intro. Really? And it's I, I remember the old intro where it was, like, um... 
Like, yeah, here. No, no, not that. Remember, like, before we're all 1,000? It's kind of like a mix of that. It kind of looks like that. It's like those highlights, but it's just screens going across the thing. Like, it has nothing to do with the WWE logo, and it just says then, now, and forever. Oh, interesting. It's very interesting. I don't know if they're debuting that tonight, but... Did you see... One thing I wanted to touch on about Evolution last night. The set was almost like... A live event. Like a live event. I saw that. Like, I saw a picture. I think it was Natalia and Lita, maybe, someone. Natalia and Beth Phoenix in the ring. And it said it was at the National Coliseum. I'm like, uh, I guess that's where Evolution is. But it looked like they were at a live event. I mean, during the matches, they turned the screen off because it was so bright. Because it was just a giant screen. It actually looked like either an NXT event or a live event. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, other other than the Charlotte versus Becky Lynch match, I mean, I didn't watch it, of course. The World Series was on. But out of all the matches, I feel like that had to be the only good match. Yeah. Ronda sure. Rousey versus right. Nikki Bella main evented the show. It was a lousy card. That, was, that shouldn't have been the main event. We all know Nikki Bella isn't the best wrestler in the world, and she shouldn't be facing Ronda Rousey. Did you see that thing I sent you, the, the top five betrayals in WWE history? It was like... Seth Rollins turning on the Shield, uh, Owens turning on Jericho, Shawn Michaels turning on um, what's his face, smashing the coconut over his head. Um, uh, yeah, Roddy Piper. And then number five was the Bella Twins turning on Ronda Rousey. Nobody's gonna buy into that. <laughs> I mean, what's WWE thinking? Everybody's like, what? I don't know. Look at this. Look at this. Well, that's an interesting way to kick off Monday Night Raw. Baron Corbin holding the Universal Championship like he's the title holder. Yeah, he's like casually holding it. Let me turn it up. Let me see what he has to say. Oh, I know exactly what's going to happen right here. Brock Lesnar's music's going to hit and he's going to F5 Corbin. Yeah, he's bragging about how he thinks he looks good with the title. I mean, I think we're uh, under the assumption that the only reason you're watching tonight is to get Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose's reaction after that turn last week. Every, everybody, and here's the beast. Oh, uh, I, I called it. I knew he was going to be there. This is live coverage of Monday Night Raw right now. Um, no, but last week. Oh, a- he's here. After Roman Reigns announced that he had cancer and leukemia, it was a very upsetting moment. The Shield stood together. Uh, armed forces at the top of the ring, and then at the end of the night, the Shield, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose won the tag team titles, and all of a sudden, Ambrose turns heel on Rollins in, like, the most poetic heel turn in WWE history. Yeah. And honestly, I think that was a great time to turn him heel. Well, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people argued that it was a horrible time. Like, WWE only cares about their business since Roman Reigns had to let go of his entire career to fight leukemia, and then all of a sudden you're just going to tear up the group like that. I mean, it was the perfect time ter- perfect time for them to make a business decision, even though it was such an emotional night personally. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's... I don't know. I think it was a smart decision. I really do. I know fans are skeptical because they think it was disrespectful towards Roman. But honestly, with Roman not being there, was there is there really a point of only having a Rollins and Ambrose Shield one where it's just those two? Well, here's the thing: why give them the Raw Tag Team titles? 
Yeah, that's the only thing, really. That's the only thing that didn't make sense to me. I mean, I get that uh, I think Braun Strowman's going to head into a rivalry with Drew McIntyre. I think they've been teasing that for a little bit. But at the same time, like, who's going to be the tag team champions now? If you're not going to put it back on Ziggler and McIntyre, obviously Rollins and Ambrose can't be the champions. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know. I was trying to think of cool things they could do, and I really couldn't think of anything. And as fans like us, if we can't even think of something, I, I, we know the writers. Oh, God, we know they're not going to come up with anything creative. They never do. Um, All right, let's see what uh, Heyman has to say. Here he goes. He just took the mic from Corbin. He's the advocate for the Brock Lesnar. That was spot on. It was right on cue. Is he wearing that Suplex City shirt from like 2015? Yes, he is. Like, what year is this? And he's got like a goatee going, kind of. I can't believe they're going through with Crown Jewel after everything that's gone down. I mean, that poor reporter was killed in Saudi Arabia, and Vince is like, ah, screw it, they're paying us a crap load of money anyways. Daniel Bryan's not even going. John Cena's not going. That's stupid. They're not even going to sell out. I mean, John Cena, they could easily write off just saying like he had a movie or something. Uh, Daniel Bryan, I think they're going to have to do an angle tomorrow on SmackDown. So he, like, is, what, like, forced out of saying? action. Is he just like, no, no, thank you. I don't yeah, Daniel Bryan's like, I'm not going. So WWE, I guess, tomorrow on SmackDown has to make an angle to where, like, he gets, like, the crap beat out of him so that he can't go. So someone else replaces him to face Styles. Yeah, Triple H probably doesn't want to go either. I mean, this is a very risky business trip for WWE. Yeah. Very, very risky. Because all eyes are going to be on that event in Saudi Arabia. I mean, they have nothing else going on. They could easily on. move Crown Jewel to the UK if they wanted to. I mean, they have nothing else. I mean, apparently the event was going to be in Albany, New York, if it didn't take place in Saudi Arabia. So I guess that kind of had to do something to do with it. Who wants to go to Albany, right? It would have been terrible. History so it's Lesnar versus Strowman. You got Styles versus whoever. I don't even know who they're going to put against Styles. Miz is in the World Cup tournament. I think Bobby Lashley is going to take Cena's place. Probably. Seems about right. It's about time that uh, Strowman's music hits. Let's see what he has to say. Do you think that it would actually put the title back on Lesnar? Yes. Honestly, I think that's what's going to happen. Because they don't, they don't need to rush into a Strowman-McIntyre rivalry for the Universal title. Apparently, the plan is now for the main event of WrestleMania to be uh, Rollins versus Ambrose for the Universal title. That's a good match. So it's, it's intriguing, but at the same time, they've already initiated the fire. And we're not even at Survivor Series yet. And you know how the creative team can be when they go into long, drawn-out rivalries like this. This might have to be like Triple H Rollins where Ambrose only shows up from time to time and Rollins does other battles so that they could save it for the better part of the year. That's smart. It would have been good to maybe actually have have had Ambrose and Rollins do a short run as the Shield and then have if you were, if you, they were gonna inevitably have Ambrose turn on Rollins, have Ambrose turn on Rollins after Survivor Series. 
I mean, that, that was probably the, the Royal Rumble, maybe. Well, the plan was for them was for Ambrose to turn on Rollins eventually, but with like the case scenario last week of Reigns obviously having to leave, big emotional thing. They jumped on it right there because they know that was going to be like the most heated heel turn ever. It wasn't going to be that moment where it was like, oh, wow, he turned heel and he still got cheered. Like he actually got booed because of the significance of the night. You know what, you know what storyline this is reminding me of? It was like when um, Matt, they had Matt Hardy turn on Jeff Hardy immediately after Jeff Hardy found out that his house burned down and his dog died. They're like, oh, we'll have, we'll have Matt say that. He I mean, back then, totally different, too. I mean, you had, like, every, you had Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Batista. You had, like, so many great rivalries back then that that was kind of just, like, a mid-card rivalry. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. That's, like, a, a really, rivalry. really good storyline. Oh, wow. Strowman just threw, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, so Lesnar uh, cowardly got out of the way. Oh, no, he's still in the ring. He's still in the ring, but Strowman took out Constable Corbin. This is live coverage of Monday Night Raw. Braun Strowman currently staring down the beast incarnate Brock Lesnar. Up, Strowman, oh, another, Strowman another side slam right to back. Baron Corbin. Looked Lesnar right in the eyes as he gave him a power slam. Up, Lesnar holding the championship. And the thing is, here's what they can do. They can give Lesnar back the title without really having to forfeit anything. I mean, Rollins versus Ambrose for the Intercontinental title could take over the show for the next month or so. And then that way, Lesnar could go into his oh, first UFC fight against Cormier, maybe, and face... Uh, Corbin again with a third... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Up, F5 to Strowman. Lesnar's got Strowman up. F5 to Strowman. Thank you, Michael Cole. That was an F5. Um, so what I was saying, like, Lesnar can go into his first UFC fight with the Universal... I mean, not with it. They probably wouldn't do that. But he could be a Universal Champion and UFC Heavyweight Championship at the same time, which helps both UFC brand and the WWE brand. An all-too-familiar sight at the end of this opening segment of Raw, Lesnar just picks up that Universal title and he holds it up while standing over Strowman. I thought it was August again. I thought it was August. Oh, yeah. I thought we were getting ready to go to SummerSlam. I mean, think. They could make a few big matches, too. Lesnar could face whoever at the Rumble and again at WrestleMania. But we'll see. The next few months could definitely be um, carried by the Rollins and Ambrose rivalry. Yeah. All right, after the opening segment of Monday Night Raw, would you like for a little bit to turn over and talk about the outcome of the uh, 2018 World Series? Yeah, let's get into that. The Boston Red Sox are the 2018 World Series champions. I will not repeat that. If you didn't hear I, it, you know, I really look it up. I really upset about that, but they, that, their team really did deserve the title, more so than LA did, even though they did go two years in a row. But if they couldn't... If they're a team that goes to the World Series two years in a row and can't win one of those World Series, maybe they're not deserving of a ring. I mean, that's literally two years in a row. The Astros won it on their turf, and now this year the Red Sox win it on their turf. Doesn't yeah. get any worse than that. Yeah, that's painful. It really is. But uh, 
one thing I did really want to talk about was um, Steve Pierce winning the MVP. I was shocked, but at the same time, he completely deserved it. I thought they were going to give it to Mookie no matter what, but... No, Mookie Betts is getting the uh, AL MVP for his regular season performance. But yeah, um, Piss Missile Pierce, as uh, Jared Carabas would call him, just completely (laughs) tore it up in Game 4 and Game 5. I mean, in Game 4, he hit that game-tying homer off of Jansen, and then the three-run double in the ninth inning. And then yesterday, two more home runs, one off Kershaw. I mean, the Red Sox just destroyed everybody this postseason. I mean, the the ALDS, the first two games were pretty evenly matched with the Yankees. Then the Yankees just completely beat themselves in Game 3. And then the Red Sox won a close game in Game 4. And then the most impressive series out of... I don't care what they did against the Yankees or the Dodgers, because the Dodgers just did not show up then, even looked like they could play on the East Coast. Um, The fact that the Red Sox took three straight games in Houston at Minute Maid Park against the defending champions was just shocking to me. If you told me that they were going to walk in to the Astros' home field and take all three games and clinch the pennant, I would have told you you're crazy. The Red Sox really are just that good, I think. You know, and and Pierce especially, he had eight RBIs this series, three home runs. He tore it up, but... You know, he, he was kind of acting as like a preview of the Red Sox team as a whole. He was just dominating the Dodgers the entire time. And so were the Red Sox. The Red Sox were just dominating the Dodgers. They dominated everyone in the postseason. They dominated the Yankees, which leads, leads me to my next point. The whole series, they were so good. That's why they had my respect. Even as a Yankees fan, they had my respect. But then the videos came out of their celebration, and they were celebrating to New York, New York. They were cel- they were celebrating the California love too. But here's the thing on that. Uh, Michael Kay even touched up on that on his show today. Aaron Judge, after the Yankees won Game Two of the Division Series, played New York, New York on his loudspeaker while passing the Red Sox clubhouse. I know, I saw that on Instagram. That so that was a fire that was initiated. That was a hammer brought to this um, slugfest that the Red Sox used as motivation to take those two games in New York. They celebrated to New York, New York in the clubhouse at Yankee Stadium. They did the same thing when they won the pennant in Houston, and now they won it when they won the World Series. That is nobody but Aaron Judge's fault. Now, that might I'm confident as to say that that will be the only blemish he'll look back at it in his career, said that he shouldn't have done, because he shouldn't have done that after winning one playoff game at Fenway Park. Yeah, but you really think everyone's looking at this like a serious issue? Like enough for Judge to. Oh, this will never. This will never be forgotten. I'm sure. Aaron Judge playing that behind, and then the Red Sox beating the Yankees in the ALDS and going on to win their fourth World Title in 15 years. That will definitely haunt Aaron Judge at least for the rest of his career. Wow, Uh, that's a strong statement. I really. I. I mean, I guess you're right, but I never really thought of that as a really. You know, big deal. I mean, I'm I'm as I'm going to go as far as to say that the Red Sox at Fenway Park, sometime down the road, will actually be playing New York, New York in their own stadium when they beat the Yankees at Fenway Park. I don't think they'd go that far. I in this generation, I think they could go that far. They're not a disrespectful team like that. the Red. No, the Red Sox though, in their own. Like- 
in their own clubhouse, I think that this will forever be a thing, that, that they're going to play New York, New York, whenever they win a big playoff series. I bet. And that's wrong. That's like if the Yankees played Sweet Caroline, but we don't want to play that. I mean, everybody says Sweet Caroline, Sweet Caroline. Like, it's a big eighth inning song. It's great tune to sing along to at the game at Fenway. But the song that the Red Sox play when they win is Dirty Water. Yeah. That's true. I mean... But I think New York, New York is more than just the song we play when we win. Hell, we play it when we lose. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) We play it no matter what. I mean, it was playing when the Red Sox beat us in the ALDS. Yeah, that's kind of our fault. We're going to celebrate to that, I guess, in a way. No, but Aaron Judge is definitely going to look back at that and say, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And I do think that that will be the only thing people look back at him and says, like, that's not him. He shouldn't have done that. That's not his personality either. That's not his character. I think he was just so excited to be back and playing again. He just got carried away with maybe the fact that he was doing just as well as he was before he left. Finished the regular season batting 400. Uh, Hit three home runs in his first three games. That's three home runs in his first three playoff games, I should say. That one at the wild card game, game one against Kimbrell, and then game two off of Price. Yeah. But this is definitely going to be something that the Yankees have to use as motivation to win next year. You lost to the Red Sox in the playoffs, and then the Red Sox went on to win the World Series. TikTok, Brian Cashman, you better go out and get a big name guy. Like, I mean, Manny Machado. As good as he is. The Yankees are going to look at his attitude. After the reputation he built for himself this postseason, the Yankees are going to look at that and think, do we really want a player who has this kind of reputation? Which sucks because he's probably one of the best players in baseball and the Yankees don't have a shortstop now with Edie that's out. Right, that's the only reason I think they would, they would put that behind them and, and still take him is because Gregorius is going to be out the entire season. We need someone at shortstop to play. I mean, it's. Like, I mean, that's you. A big loss for us. You could move uh, Glaber Torres to short and then go out and sign like a Daniel Murphy or something. But at the same time, Machado's a once in a generation guy. Why? Why do that? Why do that? Because you know they're not going to be a guy like Daniel Murphy's not going to be looking for a huge, massive contract. And we all know that the Yankees have money to throw at players. So why not use that money wisely? and offer it to someone who's going to be looking for bigger money, like a guy like Bryce Harper, somehow get him into the lineup. Or, you know, Machado if we really have to. Because you know him, he's probably looking for big money as well. Well, Harper, first of all, hit 240 this year, and apparently he wants a $375 million contract. Yeah, look at that. Does he deserve one? No. But would the Yankees take that risk to have a left hand like that in the lineup, especially... At Yankee Stadium? Well, apparently Scott Boris, who's Bryce Harper's agent, was on the Michael K. show today, and he said that they've already selected a place where he wants to go. It's just up to that team whether he wants to pay him or not. And apparently the Phillies have landed as the front runners. Philly. Why would he go to Philly? I don't know. They're up and coming. They got the prospects. They got the starting pitching. When was the last time they were a big name in the postseason? Probably the last time the Yankees. I mean, yeah, that 08, 09 
2010 run when they went to the World Series back-to-back years. Exactly. So is that really a smart decision? Shouldn't he look at that? Unless he thinks that the Phillies are going to be the Cleveland Browns of the MLB next season. Oh, it's going to come down to money for him. Whoever gives him that $350 or $350 million contract, that's where he's going to go. You know the Steinbrenners can give him that contract. Yeah, but you know how cheap the Steinbrenners are. It ain't George Steinbrenner. It's Hal and Hank. Hank the Tank Steinbrenner. No disrespect to them at all. No disrespect. And here's the other thing that I want to touch on that's totally unrelated to what we're talking right now. So I'm going to, like, say something that's totally uncorrelated to what you just said. But uh, Alex Cora has been given so much praise as, like, he should be co-manager of the year with Bob Melvin of the A's for the year that he had with the Red Sox. 108 wins. 108 wins. Most all-time ever by a Red Sox team. The most dominant Red Sox team in history. Uh, Dave Dombrowski, the Red Sox vice president of baseball ops, said that he gave Alex Cora all the free will in the world to do whatever he wanted. Like, they talked every day about communicating and stuff, but Alex Cora was given the free right as manager to make the lineup, hit whoever he wanted to hit, sit whoever he wanted to sit, pitch whoever he wanted to pitch, and he made all the right moves. The problem with the Yankees, I think, is that Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman tell Aaron Boone what to do, and then that correlates what happens on the field. I don't think... The Yankee players respect Aaron Boone like the Red Sox players respect Alex Cora. Yeah, I think the Steinbrenners might play favorites. I think that's why, you know, right when Sanchez came back, he was still batting five or whatever until they officially pushed him back to the seven and eight spot where he should have been hitting. You know, I think they want to see those big names in the heart of the lineup because of you know, financial conflicts. I mean, I, I mean, I'm saying that like Aaron Boone, honestly, honest to God, this year kind of felt like Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner's puppet. Yeah. I mean, I know that's a hot take and that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, but I think it's the truth. I think Aaron Boone needs a lot more leeway next year to see what he can do as a manager because the Yankees won 100 games regardless of what he did last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, Aaron Boone or Aaron Judge was out for two months of the year. Gary Sanchez hit 185. Greg Bird did nothing. Uh, I mean, so we'll see next year what Aaron Boone can do if Brian Cashman gives him the leeway to do his own thing. Personally, I don't think he got that this year, like Alex Cora did. And Alex Cora made all the right moves in the postseason. Exactly. All of them. I think if the Yankees gave Aaron Boone full access and for full control over the team, like supposedly, supposedly, Alex Cora had. I think this Yankees team this past season easily could have won 110 games. I mean, and next year it's going to be interesting to see if the Red Sox have that hangover. They did overuse Nathan Avaldi in the World Series. They, for sure, for sure as hell, overused David Price in the World Series. I mean, oh, he, he warmed up in like every game. So, well, he said it himself. He was willing to throw his arm out. If that meant he could, you know, throw his arm out and feel crappy in the off season, you know, then throw his arm out next season. And they took advantage of that. David Ortiz, the unbiased baseball analyst on Fox Sports <laughs> One, 
wearing the Red Sox hat, trying to get in on the celebration too. Um, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see. I hope the Red Sox have that hangover so the Yankees could put up another 100-win season, hopefully win that division next year so they don't have to go through another nail-biting uh, wild card game. Those always take a few years off your life. Um, uh, every year. Yeah, that's about all I have to say on the Red Sox. I mean, congrats. Have fun at the parade. Megan might go to that. She's going to go to the parade? She wants to. Why? I don't know. I don't know. That's what I said. I said, why would you ever go to that? And she said that before they even won the World Series. She said that the night of Game 4. How dare she? (laughs) How dare she go to the Red Sox World Series parade as a Yankee fan? Yeah, how is that a seven-hour train ride to L.A.? They're in back. That was was an interesting story. So during Game 3, I was talking to my buddy about going because he got tickets. His friend's dad got tickets from his work. I guess he had season tickets, and it was his turnaround. So he got eight tickets to Game 4 of the World Series. And I was just talking about him, and he's like, yeah, you should have come up. I'm like, yeah, that, that'd be neat, but it doesn't look like it's possible. And as the game's going along, it's like the 15th, 16th inning. I'm just sitting there bored out of my mind. And I'm, he's like, you should take the Amtrak up. I'm like, the Amtrak? Like this train? And he's like, yeah. And then I look at prices. It was $20, $25 there to get from Phoenix to LA. I mean, it was a seven hour trip. It, was it like a, like a similar train to? Yeah. It was like taking a train to Chatham to Manhattan. Except I was sitting on it for seven hours. Same same price for a round trip. 21 there or 21 there and back? Uh, It was 25 there. It was like 50, 45, 50 the way back. But it was like like the seats taking a train from Chatham to Manhattan. It was like that for seven hours. That's Phoenix to LA. That's seven hours. So so I told him, I'm like, if I got a train ticket, would you pick me up at the Los Angeles station? He's like, for sure. Hell yeah. So at around like two, three in the morning, like well after like two hours after the game ended, I was just like, all right, F it. I'll do it. Got on. Two in the morning? I made the decision to go at 2 or 3 in the morning. My train left at 6.30. It's the Amtrak right in front of Chase Field. So I had to Uber down there, got on the train, took like a two-hour nap. The rest of it, I couldn't really nap. Not a comfortable train ride at all. It was really kind of brutal. And then I got to L.A. around, I want to say, 1.30, 2 o'clock. Waited about 45 minutes for my buddy to pick me up. And then we went straight to Dodger Stadium because it's up on a hill in downtown Los Angeles and the traffic's just horrible. It's horrible for a regular season game. I went to a game over the summer. It was horrible. So Red Sox, Dodgers World Series traffic was horrible. We got in about two hours before the game started, hung around. Our seats were on the bleachers, saw one of the most epic Red Sox World Series games ever, down 4-0 in the seventh, came back to 1-9-6. And then afterwards, we kind of just hung out in the parking lot, waited for traffic to end. And then I hopped back on the train around 12, 15 in the morning and then eventually got back to Phoenix around 8 o'clock in the morning. That's ridiculous. So it was one of those in-the-moment decisions that I – I'm glad I did it. Basically a 24-hour trip. Oh, yeah, for sure. In-the-moment decision. If I could go back – 
and do it all over again, I probably would knowing the outcome. I mean, if that game was not as epic and wild as it was, that totally wouldn't have been worth it. Man, I wish he said he had tickets to game five. Why? You wouldn't want to see the Red Sox room. I mean, it would have been cool, but at the same time, like, uh, all right. It's the Red Sox, you know? Think about it. I did that for the Red Sox. Hopped on a train, eight hours long, watched the Red Sox, one of the most epic World Series games in their history. Hopped back on a train eight hours I to get back to Phoenix. I for the Red Sox for any game, regardless if it was game five. I didn't think you would ever do that for the Red Sox. I could easily see you taking a seven-hour train ride to L.A. from Phoenix if it was the Yankees in the World Series. But even then, even then, I'd consider renting a car from Grand Canyon. I mean, that train ride was brutal, at least there. On the way back, I slept through most of it, but it was brutal. That's, what, five hours you were just sitting there? I mean, on the way there, I slept for like the first two hours because it was 6.30 in the morning. But after that, yeah, I was just kind of just sitting there, walking around on my phone, listening to music. Not much I could do. I actually brought my uh, book. I'm reading The Closer by Mariano Rivera. And Uh, I'm like, I could probably read this because I haven't really dove into it in a while. I could probably read this on the way there. I open it up, take the bookmarker out. I had 12 pages left. So I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to be a good ride. So you finished the book in... About 30 minutes. And but that was it. On the train, I feel like if it was me and I was making that decision in that moment, I'd be freaking out about like, oh my God, this trip is going to go terribly wrong until I was like on the train. Oh, me thinking about it like about three hours in, I'm just kind of walking around I'm like, this game better be effing worth it. Oh, yeah. If I was sitting on that train for more than two hours, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I may regret this. And then I would be thinking, all right, I'm going to this game. And if it's not a good game, regardless if it's a good game, right after, I have to hop on the train and do this all over again. I mean, that was kind of easier. It was dark. I would have been tired. So that was a lot easier. Like I said, I slept through most of it. But yeah, kind of a grueling, grueling trip altogether. Definitely worth it, though, looking back at it. The only thing I did not enjoy or did not appreciate the fact is that we didn't get stubs. We got electronic tickets. So it's basically just the barcode, and it says Boston Red Sox Dodger Stadium on it. I was I was expecting the giant World Series Dodger stub. Yeah, that would have been real cool. That sucks that they were doing e-tickets for the World Series. Everyone probably wants a stub for that. I mean, I could easily buy one, but, you know, I don't want to pay for it. There's probably a website where you can type in... Does it show you, like, your section in your seat? It must, right? Um, I gotta look. It says 2018 World Series at the top. It says Boston Red Sox, date, time, has the barcode, Dodger Stadium, and then the section and seat number. Okay. There's probably a website somewhere where you could type that in, and it could give you, like, a a photoshopped stub or something. I don't know. That's got to exist. So, back on Monday Night Raw, what do you think is going on right now? Or what is going on right now? Uh, right now, we have a really sad sight. We have Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley 
burying uh, Finn Balor in the middle of the ring. They're burying him? Oh. Finn Balor should just leave. Poor guy. They got him in a full Nelson and Leo Rush is slapping him in the face. Unconscious. So Bobby Lashley's a heel now? Yeah. And we're, have, we're, we're burying friggin' the creator of the Bullet Club with Leo Rush and Bobby Great Lashley. job, Vince. Pat on the back. Quit, Ballard. Go go back and join the Bullet Club, honestly. Cody would cool. take him. Jericho Crew's going on right now. Yeah, I know. It looks like it's a, it's a success. I'm hoping to have Jack Slade on afterwards. They already, yeah, they already had the uh, Fozzy concert. God, I'm really looking forward to that Jack Slade interview. At the very end of it, I gotta ask if Chris would ever even consider coming on the O Show. It's something we just need to know, I guess. I have to make it as discreet as possible. So he gives me an honest answer. It's do or die. <laughs> it's either he says yes or he says no. It's either our dreams come true. Because that's like the reason we started this podcast. Yeah, we was to have that. Chris Jericho on the show. And if he says no, well, then I guess we can just try again in a few years. I don't know. We just keep going and see what other guests. Can't revolve this whole thing around one person. That's kind of sad. I mean, who else? I mean, that's like our number one goal is to have, to have Jericho on. Who, I mean, as time goes on, who we can get and what situations. One day I'd like to have Darius Rucker on. Darius Rucker would be cool. Sing some uh, I Go Blind. You know, that's not even one of their big songs, but I think he's a very smart man for deciding. Oh, wow. Wow, WrestleMania tickets available Friday, November 16th on Ticketmaster. I don't know what they're going to do for WrestleMania this year. We'll see. I honestly don't think it's going to be anything amazing. I really don't. They're going to do the best they can to make it a great card for New York, New Jersey technically, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a strong card. I really don't think it is. I mean, what, I mean, the original card was going to be amazing. It was going to be Undertaker-Michaels. It was going to be Rock Roman. It was going to be Triple H Batista, which will probably still happen. Triple H Batista will probably happen. And then I think that they're going to play in AJ Styles versus Shawn Michaels. Styles Michaels. I don't know who under this is probably going to be Undertaker's final final match. It's got Cross to be, your fingers. It's going to be against like obviously People got to stop letting their hopes up. And I, maybe they're. Maybe everyone agrees with me. But no matter who he's going to face, it's not going to be a good match. No, not necessarily. He had a pretty decent uh, fight with Triple H at uh, the Super Showdown. Yeah, but he's also wrestling someone that's kind of on the same boat as him. Obviously, Triple H has way more horsepower still and way more gas left in the tank than Undertaker does, but. I don't know. They're both kind of slow in their own ways. So Undertaker could keep up with him more than he could keep up with Roman, for example, a couple of years ago. He was running circles around him. I mean, it depends who they put him in the ring against. I mean, he honestly has more left in the tank than he did two years ago when he faced Roman. 
New Hip right. has definitely done wonders for him. I mean, do you do a Cena rematch? Do you do um, Taker Michaels? Taker Kane is even being considered. I don't like that at all, to be honest. Taker Kane would be a terrible match, and no one wants to see that. As much as everyone would like to see Taker Michaels, on the other hand, I also think that match is not a great idea. It's just going to be slow, and you're not going to see everything you used to see in those matches. You're not going to be doing tombstones outside of the ring. Michaels is probably not going to be doing backflips off the top rope into the announce table. Undertaker's not going to be diving over the top rope. They're just not there anymore. They can't do that anymore. I mean, at least the Royal Rumble will be exciting. I hope. If I they hope put not. everybody in that Rumble, just think. You could have Shawn Michaels go against the likes of Styles, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, yeah. Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman. You could have a lot of big names in that Rumble, considering that they're having a lot of big names for these uh, live events in Saudi Arabia and Australia. I think this Rumble is going to be very similar to the 2017 Royal Rumble at uh, that stadium. The Alamodome in San Antonio. Yeah. Nah, we're gonna get, it might be a little better. Big names into the ring because it's at a big stadium, but I don't think there's, there's not going to be any drastic changes storyline-wise at the Rumble, I don't think. There's just going to be big names in the ring at the same time. That's what we're going to see. Well, now that Roman's out and Rock probably won't even be there, who do you think's winning the Rumble? They might go with a veteran. Vince even said, or Ziggler, I think it was Ziggler last week at some point said on social media that Vince definitely shows bias towards Attitude Era guys. So with the DX being back and Brothers of Destruction, you know, Vince wants that to be seen as a main event. But I don't think the crowd... And I don't think the rest of the talent really sees it as that. As much respect as everyone has for them. That's just not really how the fans see it. But Vince really doesn't care. So I really think he might go with someone along the likes of Triple H. I don't think Triple H will win it. But he'll go with someone ridiculous. I think he'll go with a new up-and-coming guy. I think this is going to be one of those years where it's going to be like, why did he win the Rumble? And then he's probably going to lose at Mania. Kind of like last year with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I think you could see the likes of a guy like... uh, That's becoming common now, too. What's his name on SmackDown? Andre Cien Almas. Is that his name? Andrade. Andrade Cien Almas. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He's been rumored a couple times to win the Rumble. Mm -hmm. Um, Drew McIntyre. I can see him. He's definitely going to be uh, the top guy on Raw, I think. He's going to be that huge powerhouse heel on top of the show. Oh, for sure. I mean, Strowman versus McIntyre is going to be one of the top rivalries on Raw coming in the next few weeks. So, Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Raw's kind of a drag tonight as of right now. We'll wait to see what happens with Rollins and Ambrose. We went over the World Series. The Boston Red Sox, I know I'm repeating it, the Boston Red Sox are the World Series champions of baseball. Parade on Tuesday. Rollins-Ambrose storyline coming along the ways. We'll see what happens down the road at the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. That'll wrap up this week's edition of the Osho Podcast, episode 24, shipping up to Boston. I'm Jack O'Hara alongside Declan O'Hara. Hit it, Hootie.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.